who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody! Hello there! Just two lovely hosts of a lovely podcast who I'm sure will be doing introductions like this for the rest of our lives, right? It does seem certain. <sighs> well, on that note, our finale is <laughs> this very week in New York City. Um, and we are streaming it live. Uh, and I think that you know that already if you listen to this podcast that you can watch us tape the very final episode of this podcast, plus watch Jenny play 20 songs uh, out of 143, but future 144 songs. Mm, plus 16 for Once More with Once More with Feeling. Mm, right, right, right. Anyway. Yeah, 160. You can be there in person if you already have a ticket, but you can be there virtually if you don't. And something fun is over there now. We have a whole load of finale merchandise that is now available to folks who are attending the virtual show and, of course, that will be available in person. That merchandise includes an amazing design by Ryan Sanders. Until next time, woo! it's on a t-shirt, it's on a mug. It's it's Jenny's favorite design that's ever been designed, isn't it? (laughs) It's my favorite fun design and my favorite sad design is also in the finale merch store. (laughs) All right, I'll go there next. We also have an enamel pin uh, that is shaped in a gravestone format. It reads, buffering the Vampire Slayer 2016 to 2022. Beloved pod, devoted Scoobies. We saved the world a lot. Oh, no. Jenny's crying. It's done. Um. In addition to those two items, both designed by Ryan Sanders, we have an amazing design by Isabella Rotman. Slayers, every one of us. Uh, It's a beautiful design. It's available on a t-shirt. It's available on a zip hoodie. We also have probably the most gorgeous fucking show poster design ever made by Billy Bauman at Delicious Design Leagues. It's signed by the both of us. It also says Slayers, every one of us. That is the title of the two-night finale. 
Um, it's all really too much to hold. All of that merchandise is available now at moment.co slash buffering the vampire slayer for all ticket holders. We'll have everything but the mug down in New York City. Uh, we're just not going to bring, you know, 200 mugs down to New York City. <laughs> everything else will be in person. And VIP ticket holders, this poster, this beautiful screen printed uh, show poster, that is the poster that you get if you're a VIP in-person ticket holder and coming to the after party. Um, so so the, uh, it's so beautiful. I can't believe it's ours. It's so beautiful. Today, we're going to post on socials about the merchandise, and we're going to include some videos from Delicious Design uh, based in Chicago making this poster. It's so, it's so cool. It's truly like yeah. Mr. Rogers, but for buffering the Vampire Slayer, like the making of a screen printed poster. Um the posters and the pins are limited in quantity. They are the only items that may not be available after this is all done. So if you really want those things, uh, scoot on over, grab yourself a virtual ticket, get yourselves that merchandise. Indeed. Speaking of getting what you want <laughs> and having what you take, uh, it's time for me to reveal to you to lift the veil on the results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards for Touched. Touched. <laughs> the name of the episode is in itself a segue point into the Sexual Tension Awards. And here's what I can tell you, dear beloved listeners. Oh my God, it's my ne ne next to next Stop to Stop it. Stop it. STA results. Stop it. <laughs> oh God. Stop it. Okay. Uh... This morning, I just thought accidentally <laughs> for no reason about the opening sequence of the movie Up and started crying my eyes out. Jenny and I are a fucking mess. It's like it, whether or not, like, are we being kind to each other and then crying or are we being mean to each other because we're stressed out? It's like we are just a mess. We're a mess. We're going to be a mess till the end. I hope you're here with us for the whole shebang. Truly disastrous. And speaking of... <laughs> She bangs. Uh, here are those results. In the fourth slot, with a mere measly 8% of the vote, it's Anya and Xander. Anya, stop letting this man drag you down into the fourth <laughs> slot, please. Uh, shockingly, in third place, with 15% of the vote, it's Faith and Spike. I don't even know what to think. It's just that this episode is... Jam. You know, I also, you know, and not to call people out, but I do think that a lot of people vote in these polls and they have not like quite watched the episode recently. So they just are voting on like general feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like every sexual tension award vote is cast triangulatorily. Yeah. Uh, people are like, I feel the most sexual tension between <laughs> me and Spike and Bobby. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Which I celebrate. Exactly. Follow your hearts. <laughs> um, but I did not expect to see Faith and Spike in third place. Mm -hmm. Shocking. In second place, with 26% of the vote, good. Golly, it's Faith and Buffy. Fuffy, if you will. Baith, if you won't. <laughs> They'll win this A episode. near miss for these ladies. They'll they just could bag. not get it together. 721 to is their bag. They've got it in this one. <laughs> and... In first place with 51% of the vote. And this is as the Lord intended. Mm. It's Faith and Wood. They captured 51% of the, are you ready? 666 votes we received on this poll. <laughs> Ooh. 
I literally like went in to get the results for Jenny to read and was like, what? <laughs> Fucking haunted, a haunted number of votes. Um, an email for the road, an email leading into this, the discussion of season seven, episode 21 from Carly. This comes with a link that's in today's show notes. It's an interactive email. It's so fun. Carly says, I've been working on a project for a while now that I wanted to share with you. To give you some context, a couple of years ago, I recently defended my PhD in math. We're just like reading all of our doctoral emails in the last few episodes. (laughs) Just want to make sure we go out with a bang. Um, And was trying to get into data science. So I decided to practice my coding skills by doing projects with transcripts of episodes of Buffy. A friend and I even started talking about making our own Buffy podcast. So I did some research and found Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I started listening to your podcast and got a job, and eventually my friend and I forgot all about our recording ambitions. But as season seven started to wind down, it occurred to me to wonder what kinds of fun things I could do now with my improved programming skills and with the podcast transcripts online. Carly has come up with an app that predicts the sentences that Jenny Owen Youngs, Kristen Russo, and honestly anyone who has ever been on the podcast might say... I'm going to finish Carly's email, and then I'm going to see if I can uh, do a little text prediction for Jenny here. Uh, Carly ends the email. I just wanted to take this opportunity to say how wonderful it's been listening to the podcast and how much I respect and admire the two of you. You've managed to foster one of the most loving and inclusive communities that I have ever witnessed, and I know for a fact that you've made people's lives better. Wishing you much happiness and success in all your future endeavors. A woo. Carly. Okay, now to make sure that Jenny doesn't have anything in her eye, something really fun is that uh, me, Jenny, and Latoya, um, the the word we use to start almost uh, like the majority of our sentences is yeah. (laughs) But Jenny, I'm going to let you choose. I'm going (laughs) to let you choose your word, okay? You can choose yeah, you can choose and, you can choose I, you can choose it's. Okay, which one do you want? I can't choose well. Oh, sure. That's down there. You want to choose well? Okay. Yes. Okay, we're we're adding that to the line. Oh, hold on, let me clear it. I can't wait to see what I'm gonna say. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I put well into the bot and I'm gonna finish the whole sentence, okay? Okay. I'm not even doing it one word at a time. <laughs> okay, the what bot, did I say? The bot predicted, well, for this episode's STA on our hips. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Also, it wants to select a new word, which 50% of the time would be Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, you can use the link in our show notes and do all sorts of fun things. You can see how many times Jenny has said slots and noms in the episodes. You can. It's just very, very fun and super nerdy and exactly why we do the things we do. Right, Jenny? Wow. Yes. All right. Well, let's really get is. into this. this is so nice. Our penultimate. Oh, oh, before well, before we get into our penultimate episode, I'd like to um just s- say something about our penultimate song that will come at the end of the episode. It's about it's about an axe. It's about a girl and her axe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I do know what you that mean. That magical time in a young girl's life when she finally <laughs> comes into her axe mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and some some song ideas that i pitched to Kristen were uh my boyfriend and my axe uh there was also bad axe uh 
just wanted to vamp for a second here in the intro and, mm-hmm. and uh, spread my my bad wordplay around. I mean, uh, I think Kristen really absorbs the bulk of it. But it's good day to day life. It's a scythe. It's a scythe. It's a great big scythe. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Yeah. Scythe matters. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in no way emotional about making my next to last song for this episode, and. Uh, that's it. Jenny, I would like to tell you that you told me my boyfriend and my ex like several days ago, and it sort of like absorbed into my consciousness. And I've thought about it every day since without you knowing. So that's the power of your ideas. Oh, my God. I love that mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> As it should be. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, here we go, I guess. And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with those gals I would gladly work with my fellow guardians to forge a sacred weapon and then hide it within the rock for many generations until at last the time would arise for them to need to seek it out in order to f- attempt to defeat the greatest wor- evil the world has ever faced. <laughs> Angel on top. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And hey, I am Kristen Russo, desperately hoping I'm included in the Guardian Club uh, USA. Yes, we look good for our age, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I guess you and I are much more <laughs> suited to be the guardians in this sense. Uh, and <laughs> this week, we are talking about Buffy Season 7, Episode 21, End of Days. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Touched was written by Jane Espenson and Doug Petrie and directed by Marita Grabiak. And it originally aired on May 13th, 2003. This is the one where, according to IMDb, Buffy has a powerful new weapon. But the gang cannot find any information about the origins of the mysterious doodad. Just kidding. It's called a scythe in the description and also in the show. We'll talk about that later. Eventually, the Slayer goes herself in search of knowledge and finds a new ally and old friend and great danger. (laughs) Something for everyone. Oh, my goodness. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Faith came back. There's an army of potentials. Call me Caleb. I poke. Don't forget, the first can be any dead person it wants. There's something at the vineyard. Dawn kicked Buffy out of her own house. Now Faith's your boss. Spike is sure of Buffy. Buffy sees the axe. Faith led the squad to the arsenal, and also there's a bomb. (laughs) That's exactly the list of previously ones I had, except for my note on Spike and Buffy was, Spuffy is cuddling now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay, so I just want to let you know that location-wise, um, I have the arsenal, and I have what I refer to as bomb town. Okay, so that's how I've differentiated them in my notes. Okay. Okay. Arsenal is a little stack of weapons, and then down the stairs is bomb town well arsenal is where kayla is where is where the uh cybex the doodad the double-sided doodad is that's where it is okay that's what we're calling the arsenal right i don't know it's under the vineyard under the vineyard in bomb town let's yeah, just yeah, keep yeah, yeah. Arsenal i just thought that when uh okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's all coming together okay. okay 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 that 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 is what the bespelled bringer was talking about last week and for some reason faith ended up in a different place right because as we discussed last episode sunnydale is swiss cheese and thinking that there's simply one hole beneath the ground where weapons might be is a silly silly thought foolish so faith is just in the wrong hole that's what she said so we're underneath a vineyard yeah we picked this episode up where we left the last one off and Buffy is still being like, ooh, shiny. <laughs> um, here's the deal. There's this, uh, okay, we have to call it a scythe because that's what it's called, even though. Do you want to talk? No. About, do, we should talk about it because I did a little research. Oh, tell me everything. Okay, so Jenny, here's what I found. And I have to say that this is sort of like. Still, it still doesn't leave me feeling confident in either direction, but it has given me a little more understanding of why this hmm. is being called a scythe. Okay, so from okay. my extensive research, aka I googled it, uh, an axe is usually something that is used two-handed. It deals, the internet says it deals negative resistance. You really need a couple of hands for an axe, okay? And the thing that makes a scythe a scythe is that it has an enormous sweep and it is something that can be wielded one-handed. Now, I mean, I know clearly like we're all, we've all been historically upset about this and I'm not saying I'm not. It's just that I do think that the reason, because they have... The, the episode gives Giles like an entire moment where he's like swinging it around one handed, which I feel like was there because probably in the writer's room, they were like, we can't call it a scythe. And then somebody else was like, but it's one handed. And they're like, well, then you better show that. And then they had Anthony Stewart <laughs> do it one handed. Um, but, you know, we, when we think of a scythe, we think of like the like Grim Reaper scythe, the scythe that is like sowing the fields, right? The It's like much longer, pointier. It doesn't have this like axe is it sowing or is it reaping? Like, I, yeah, no, I guess it's. I think reap. it's more of a reaping. It's tool. a reaping. It's a reaping. I don't I literally don't. I just say words like, <laughs> like I literally. As if you don't know by now, six years into this podcast, I just say words that sound like they might go there, <laughs> and then sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. But um, I have a little bit more room for the use of scythe in the fact that this is a weapon that is does have an enormous sweep. And can be wielded one-handed. The only thing that makes it feel not scythe is that the head of it is shaped more like an axe than mm -hmm. a, like, hooked, what we're used to seeing the Grim Reaper stroll around yeah. town with. I mean, I think we could also recognize the advantage of calling it a scythe in that uh, it's just a word you hear less often, especially when you're talking about weaponry mm -hmm. right um it it makes the the weapon feel a little more special mm -hmm. and also there is the association of uh it brings death right exactly because like that so uh, you know probably 
The scythe, the scythe being a scythe is important, but in terms of like logistics for a set, ha- if it really were hooked like that, it would that would be a pain in the ass. Let's be sure. real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, it's definitely a more effective weapon in the shape that it's in. Uh, my real gripe with the scythe is the sort of like mighty Morphin Power Rangers ness <laughs> of it. It's just so red and shy it's an ancient mystical very powerful mm-hmm. weapon mm-hmm. but for some reason it looks like it came from a happy meal well I mean, I mean buffy does kind of give a nod to that right she makes a comment about the flashiness of how it looks and compares it to something having to do with vegas doesn't she <laughs> you know it's interesting she 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 references the the luxor casino right and the thing about that is that looking at photos of the interior, I don't see like a great deal, like a significant amount of red or more flash than you would expect from a casino. But it is the building itself is shaped like a pyramid and has a huge sphinx out front. Interesting. And you'll, as we'll see later, the the tomb that Buffy enters, yeah, is is pyramidical. <laughs> wow, is that uh, a word? Pyramidical. And also, like we get. Reference to hieroglyphs in this episode, and we know that um, you know the origin of the Slayer line is quote <laughs> somewhere in Africa, nondescript Africa. Um, but like this seems to place it perhaps in Egypt. Egypt is known for their pyramid, so there's like some some connective tissue here. But also counterpoint, Jenny, maybe the scythe was not red and shiny, but the last guardian has been bored for so long. Oh my god, she's just been down there with her Essie nail polish, just like touching it up. Yeah, well maybe maybe it wasn't even red at all. Maybe she just strolled to the local Sunnydale hardware store, got herself a can of spray paint, and was like, "It's today's craft." <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like the waiting plays tricks and i must craft <laughs> i mean what the fuck has this lady been doing down there we'll get to her we'll i know her. does she eat does she sleep does she use the latrine <laughs> all right but w- sorry we'll get to we, the guardian a, it's a lot well, there's a lot to talk about um yeah 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 caleb this is great this is a great burn on fucking misogynist caleb i think he gets he gets a lot of lines in this episode that are direct. I'm hoping that just directly came from Jane Espenson, um, which, by the way, Jenny, I don't know if you n- knew this, but um, this episode allegedly was um, supposed to be written by Marty Noxon. But Marty Noxon was already working on a pilot called Still Life. Um, and so she was not able to write this episode. And so. No. Espenson and Petrie, they were the next uh, two most senior writers, were um, given the episode to co-write. So anyway, I'm hoping that Jane Espenson is responsible for some of these Caleb lines that like we've all, many of us have heard if we walk the earth as women. (laughs) This is the scene where we get girly girl. Um, Can you pry it from solid rock, girly girl? She's like, boop. And it pops Bleep. right out, and he's like, D- "Darn!" <laughs> <laughs> Credits. Oh my god! Back at Shadow Valley Vineyards again after the credits. Buffy once again facing Nathan Fillion and his semi-faded black jeans that feel preacher inappropriate. <laughs> oh my gosh! The before you hurt yourself yes. of Caleb's approach. Yes, again a continuation of the theme on the theme. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
You don't even know what you have there. I know you're backing away. <laughs> and the first is uh silently beside, or, you know, not silent to him, but Buffy, you know, obviously can't see or hear the first who's borrowing her face. So the first is like, let her go, Caleb. Let her go on. Let her go. Let her go. Let her go. And then the first makes it so that Buffy can hear as it says, her friends are in trouble. Faith go boom. And Buffy's like, my friends are in trouble. Faith go boom. I have no way of knowing where Faith would be going boom, but I guess I'll just run fast uh, and assume that I'm going to find my way there somehow. Well, she also might just be assuming that she's going to get the fuck out because she knows she can't. I mean, she doesn't know, but she is under the impression that the only way to defeat Caleb is rolling on her barrels from last week. So I don't think she wants... <laughs> I don't think she wants um, to fight him, you know, like I think I think I she- think no way. I think if she hadn't gotten distracted, she would have been stoked to fight him with her shiny new toy right for sure. Away? Oh, without even talking yeah, he's to anybody. Yeah, freaking looking scared, looking scared as hell. Yeah, that's, that's when you strike. True. That's true. Um, as, as I always say, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller. I mean, as always, just absolutely incredible. But I love I mean, towards the end of the season now, we're getting a lot more. Buffy the first and and Buffy the actual, you know, on the same screen oh, yeah. with each other. And it's like, you know, she's amazing. I mean, for a million reasons, but like we've seen her be the first and we've seen her be Buffy. But when they are like literally milliseconds apart from each other speaking, it becomes so much more palpable how incredible she is um, at the craft of acting. Because they are two entirely different entities. It is clear. If you had Buffy the first and Buffy the actual standing side by side and saying the same line, you would know which one is which by the way that she delivers things. It is It is good. She is good. She deserves fucking like a stack of goddamn Emmys. I swear to God. When you stack an Emmy, I don't think that it's uh, really in a stackable Very shape. Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> You just lay them, you lay them like, I'm actually picture, picturing, I think, no, is the Emmy, there's a Golden Globe, that's the one holding the globe, and then there's, is the Oscar the person? What does an Emmy look like? Is it a person too? Uh, an Emmy is a person with wings holding a globe over their head. Oh, that's the globe. Then what the fuck does a Golden Globe look like? A Golden Globe <laughs> is a globe on top of a stick. Oh, there's no person on or a golden. column. So I think you could just stack Emmys by laying them um, like head to feet. Um, you know, little sixty nine stack of Emmys. Oh my god. Um, I suppose it's none of our business what they get up to in the off hours. <laughs> Over at Bombtown, Amanda, uh, Caridad, Vi, Kennedy—they're all dusting themselves off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are. Dead girls scattered about. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uh, they pull Faith out of a pool of water. And they're trying to get the hell out of there. But uh-oh. Who should appear but Mr. Entertainment himself. A <laughs> has appeared to give them the old razzle-dazzle. He's like, let's go, girls. He is... And Kennedy does like a really nice job uh, mm-hmm. taking, like stepping into the leadership role here and like trying to, you know, pump everybody up. Really nice. Uh, but uh oh, 
Another Turrican jumps down the staircase like he's in a Bob Fosse production. <laughs> doing fucking jazz hands. Like, uh, the Turricons are here and they're ready to party. They are. Um, I have a couple of notes for this scene. One, you said Kari Dodd, right? And it's like, yeah, she's here and she's been around now. But, like, she, we only met Kari Dodd in... Uh, Xander's uh, little pervy dream a couple of episodes ago <laughs> in Empty Places. And that was the first time we saw her. We didn't keep Rachel Bilson, but we did keep, uh, this is uh, Dania Ramirez um, as Caridad. So I just wanted to like, you know, really uh, underline her name because we've had Vi and Kennedy. We've talked about these potentials and uh, we've talked about clearly Chow on. We've talked about um, several of them, but um, Caridad, you know, she's, she's around, she's sticking around and she's also living. So good job. Um, also the fact that they pull faith out of the water, Jenny, I don't know if that like hit you in a particular way, but it did for me just because like she was under the water and the first time that Buffy died, she was also, uh, under the water. They just felt, it felt like a choice. You know, I don't know that it has some, wouldn't it be cool if, if faith actually died for a minute and was resuscitated and then somebody else became yet another slayer. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just all jump into the pool of water one by one. Right. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about this theory. Why not? I know, but just now they're just all around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So we go to Ravello. Something that I've noted that's been interesting for me is like, I still do note the rooms, of course, at Ravello, but. You know, in keeping with like this conversation we've been having about this home being not necessarily like a home anymore, but really like a place headquarters. Of, yeah, it's really a headquarters. And I've noticed that because it really kind of matters less where they are in the house. And it's just like we're yeah. at, you know, fucking the war room at Ravello Drive here. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew has raided the grocery store. Great job, Andrew. Giles. <laughs> loves Jaffa cakes going buck wild for those cakes he is if we didn't have a stacked sexual attention awards uh docket this week (laughs) Giles and Jaffa cakes would have definitely made it into the running Uh um for Uh those of you who don't know a Jaffa cake is like a spongy little like cookie cake and then it's orange jam and then chocolate on the top of that and every time I think about it or describe one I want to eat one <laughs> okay, so Willow and Xander, Dawn and Anya, get back to the house. Uh, they have not found Buffy. They have yet again done the most classic spell, I think, in the Buffy verse, which is take a map, make it magic, and watch the little firefly lights. <laughs> find the light, <laughs> fo- follow the light. Um, but it took them, the little light took them to an empty house. Uh, uh, probably the light, it wasn't the light's fault. It's just that Buffy had just left. Uh, so they haven't found Buffy and Giles is like, there's something even worse than that, which is that Faith and the potentials who left have not come back yet. Something's gone wrong. Willow immediately. We have to go to her. Yeah. And Andrew's like, I'll just be here continuing to keep morale up. Yeah. This is a good app for Andrew. I think, um, I really appreciate Andrew in this episode I think maybe more not comedically I always have appreciated Andrew but I like just really feel like Andrew's taken a step forward in Redemption Town this this week yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. bomb town bomb town we're back to bomb town 
Oh my gosh. Uh, a Turrican grabs Kennedy from behind and she flips it right over her little head. Uh, but uh oh, there are several Turricans. Um, you mean Turrix Han? Sorry, Turrix Han. Uh, there is a situation where Kennedy grabs. What would you even? There's probably a very specific name for this that I don't know, but it's a. It's lo- as long as a scythe, but then it just has a battle axe head at the end of it. Hang on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait. It it looks very it's similar. A, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Hang on. Nineteen kinds of axes and their uses. I'm gonna end up on the same website that Willow is on later. Uh, okay, maybe this is not. Maybe this is it. Okay, so in Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's a type of weapon uh, called a halberd that that kind of looks like this. It's like a very long shaft with like an axy head at the end. Um, and the thing about the thing that really gets me, this is getting really turned in, on over here <laughs> in crossbow territory. Kennedy is gripping this in the middle of the shaft, mm-hmm. which is like limiting her range of motion on the side uh the side her hand that's the farthest away from the axe head is and like it's it's just like not i'm not a weapons expert and i'm not an axe practitioner but this just feels intuitively like it would be a bad place to to hold an axe where would you you were trying um well I'm reminded of Xander's um, right. hammer and nail speech, as yeah. I always am when someone is gripping something in the middle or at the end or <laughs> right. Well, the they would put, put you in the middle, right? Right. For for you, you, like his argument is at least for a hammer. It's like the the give and take is the closer you are, like the more you're choking up on it, the more control you have. The the less you're choking up on it, the more power you have. Here. It just seems like Kennedy is is uh, in a position where she's just kind of like figuratively cutting herself off at the knees in terms of like how effective she could be mm. with a weapon in this situation. Um, it's also maybe not- this is also um, really showing us why the scythe is so important. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, oh yeah, you thought you didn't want a short little scythe. This is what you. This is what you get. You got to use two hands with a fucking axe. This is this is the problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. All but right. But I, I, you know, to your point, um, well, maybe not to your point, but using your point, Jenny, about this this Kennedy weapon, um, it is very similar in its look to, you know, it's not as flashy to the scythe. Um, and I think that I think that that has to be a conscious choice. Kennedy really is leading in this episode in a way where, like, I have to believe, and maybe maybe people know this, and we should, but I don't, um, but it really feels like there was conversation around possibly doing a spinoff with Kennedy. The, the last couple of episodes, we've gotten, like, hero shots of her, and then, like, this episode, she's really getting a lot of attention and action and like being put as the leader and what have you it just feels like maybe they just wanted to keep their options open for a kennedy spinoff i don't know oh the many spinoffs we could have had but never received it's true it's true we got angel and nothing more um though uh eliza it's not a spinoff at all but I did read a little thing that uh, they filmed this episode before Touched, even though Touched aired 
first, and that was because Eliza was now filming the pilot for True Calling. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I've said doodad to refer to the side a couple of times that we skipped over where that I, the reason I'm saying doodad is because Nathan Fillion, Caleb, uh, refers to it as a two sided doodad, um, which I like. <laughs> Much better than the two-sided do- uh, doodad at the end of Requiem for a Dream, I can tell you <laughs> no! that much. Literally, all I thought about when I said two-sided doodad was a two-sided dildo, but I was like, keep it out of your brain. There's no way to work that into the conversation. <laughs> but you found a way, Jenny. You found uh, a way. Uh, so Kennedy gets lifted up by her throat, as you sometimes do when you're fighting a Turrican. Uh, and just when it looks like it might be lights out for... Our dear, sweet, beloved little K. Uh, <laughs> who should fucking bust down from a hole in the ceiling but one Buffy Summers? She's staking. She's decapitating. All the potentials are like, whoa. <laughs> and then we get like a sweet hero push uh, up on Buffy after she mm-hmm. does her little defeatitude mm-hmm. um again i wonder buffy how did you know where to find them yeah buffy who knows how did you get here yeah it's like spike wasn't there to do his sniff sniff so who knows wow maybe she can just feel faith you know like i just oh, feel like they can feel each other wow uh great good they're just good friends. They're very connected. Um, okay, so yeah, Buffy is like, get the wounded. We're leaving. Somebody is like, are there more? And she's like, there's always more. Ladies, the first, let me tell you the a few first things. rule of slaying. Yeah. <laughs> this shit never ends. <gasps> oh, mm-hmm. back to Ravella, which is now like full triage for all of the wounded. Um, they carry Faith upstairs, and Kennedy is like, is she going to be okay? Buffy doesn't know. And then we get this uh, concept that the potentials have Amanda top amongst them that they were defeated because they were being punished for following Faith, um, that this is what they get for like kicking Buffy out and going with Faith instead. And this also starts, I mean, Buffy, great job. Like it was a trap. It was not Faith's fault. It could have just as easily happened to me. What? Honey, it did happen to you. It just it did, just like five did. minutes ago. <laughs> this is a real life example you could point to. Like, it's, damn, I like, and I kind of like the choice because it does feel like even though Buffy has like clearly made some big strides in her time at the empty house, um, <laughs> that like you know she hasn't quite she hasn't quite gotten to a place where she can really own everything that she needs to own at least in front of the potentials and really later and we'll talk about it when we get there but with faith either it's just like Buffy you're talking about yourself just lean in lean in baby girl lean in Mm -hmm. you're You're so so close close. you're so close (laughs) (sighs) so they ask the potentials ask if she's back now and she says and this is like just feels like relatable content I don't know but I I guess I'm not leaving so (laughs) I I guess I'm back. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Seems like the end of the world. So I think we're all just at Ravello Drive until the end here. Yeah, we're just going to be chilling here. Mm -hmm. 
So upstairs, Faith is abed, and Buffy is chatting with Willow and Giles. Buffy's like, I think it's some kind of scythe. On what grounds? <laughs> I swear, I this is where I paused for research. This is where I said, on what grounds, uh-huh. Google? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah. She notes that it made Caleb back off, and Willow says, so it's true. Scythe matters. <laughs> I think that, like, as we see, so we're in, you know, the last two episodes here. I know nobody wants to talk about it, but that's where we are. And I think, like, in this episode and the next, we will see the writers doing this lift of, like, we've come a long way, but we want to make sure to, like, hearken back to, like, where it began, where it all started, and, like, the scoobiness of it all. And I think I would just, like, lay this down as a foundation for things I'll say moving forward, which is I think a lot of it works really well, and some of it is, like, a little honky, you know? Um, but Oh, I don't think this is honky. No, I think it's sweet I and nostalgic. Either. And Giles being like, I'm going to ignore that is the equivalent of Giles taking off his glasses and pretending to clean them so he doesn't have to look at the teens. No, I agree. I agree. I I was going to say that this is not, this is a moment that lands for me so well. And not only, Jenny, what you said with Giles and responding to the teens as always, even though they're not teens anymore, there's a look and they give a moment to it where Willow and Buffy make eye contact and they just both like smirk at each other. And it's so good. It's so quick, Aww. but it's so good. And it like really brought a tear to my eye. It landed really well. And and also just for the record, like I'm also here for a few of the moments that I'm like, well, because I'd rather have them just like lay it on and, and me get the delicious moments than like not lay it on. So um, yeah, we've had so little fun this season. Yeah, please. All the fun we can get. Uh, also, OK, so Jenny, uh, please help enlighten me. The scythe can kill bodies three ways. What is the third way? Okay, so what we've seen is stake, <laughs> uh-huh. decapitation. The only thing that I can think is like, if she's not just limiting it to vampires, then I guess you can just axe somebody in the stomach, for example. That's just an example I'm pulling out sure. of the air, not idea. relevant to anything mm-hmm. that happens in this episode. Maybe, but but it fe- it feels like we we actually are without um, <laughs> the answer. A right? Good third thing. Like I mean, I guess you could stake somebody, slice somebody, or just clonk somebody over the head with it. You don't have to use the sharp end, but it it just feels like such a thing. Three ways. What? So please let us know. You're foolish, foolish hosts. We are just our yeah. brains are so small. Please tell yeah, us. Yeah, we can hear. <laughs> The clacking of your keyboards and the the turning of the pages in your compendiums, yeah. even now as we record. So please write in and educate us. Uh, please let Help us, us understand. Uh, Giles is fucking obsessed with Is compendiums with the... the plural of compendium? Or is it like compendia? Just com- or just compendium, like Lego. I just learned that Lego is Lego plural. That is really hard for me to accept. <laughs> Well, while Jenny looks up uh, the plural of compendium, I will say that Giles is literally, if Giles could fucking marry this scythe, he would. He's like obsessed with it. <gasps> it's compendiums or compendia. <laughs> wow. Fucking like she's dancing right now. And it's because she was right. But also I was wrong twice. Like it's like I know that's part of the dance. <laughs> um. Giles cannot believe that he has not heard of this fucking scythe. And Buffy is like, um, 
like remember the good guys she calls them the good guys i believe referring to the council not known for their communication skills um Mm -hmm. also the good guys i think not me thinks not yeah uh buffy senses some kind of power when she holds the scythe and says it feels like it belongs to her i can't wait until she takes her instrument and lets her fucking girlfriend hold it to see if she also feels something her but we'll instrument. get there. we'll get there <laughs> oh gosh so downstairs oh wait wait before we go downstairs oh. i just want to say that willow opens up her little laptop to do research and i got a tear in my eye because everything that they do gives me a tear in my eye now because i know it's yeah. all ending <laughs> you're like is this the last time willow's gonna use the laptop <laughs> seriously <laughs> Uh, okay downstairs it's good (laughs) downstairs andrew and anya the dream team tending the wounded anya is chugging the single malt disinfectant uh and casually like while bandaging a girl is just like oh many of these girls will die (laughs) lie still it'll help you die faster Mortally wounded women, blah, blah, blah. Slaughterhouse. Yeah, she says, because the girl's like, wait, what? And she's like, I saw this girl walking out of Bombtown earlier in the episode. She's not mortally wounded. Uh, Yeah, but it's hilarious. And like, thank God we have this duo. They are truly our shining light in this episode. Uh, Andrew realizing that if the grocery store has been abandoned, then, hey, the hospital is abandoned, too. And he's like, really gets his confidence. I'm going in and you're coming with me. Anya's like, "Ah, gasp. Like, it's so (laughs) delightful. I would watch the two of them until time ends. Uh, Anya, I'll put Kennedy in charge. She's tough and won't mind imminent death. This girl again. What? Oh, my God. Good comedy. A plus. Over in the kitchen, Buffy's giving Xander some kind of assignment. And here's where I have to note for everyone. Look, gaze in wonder at Buffy's majestic ponytail. Good (laughs) citizens. She looks like the back of God's most beautiful and cherished Palomino. This is the horsiest ponytail I have ever seen. It is so full. It is so floofy. I just think it's great. I do too. I'm a really big fan of this ponytail. And I would imagine that there are mixed feelings on it, but I love it. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a health and wellness company that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. All you do to get started is take a short, simple online quiz about your lifestyle and health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. Their app helps you track how you're feeling and play back insights about your results over time so you can actually adjust your routine as your needs change. It's very cool. My number one health goal in this and every season is keeping my energy at maximum capacity. (laughs) A lot of little tributaries feed into that larger stream and contribute to your energy level. But a really important one is B vitamins. B for bright, for bubbly, for buoyant, for feeling better. B for buffering. I think the vitamin B is working, Jenny. (laughs) I think so, too. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code 
rewatch 50. That's 50% off your first care of subscription order. Just go to takecareof.com and enter code rewatch 50. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, so Xander and Buffy having a chat. We don't know what it's about in this scene, but since we've all watched the episode, we do know what it's about. Yeah. Uh, she just wants Xander to get Don out of town, understandably. And Xander is like, but, you know, my place is here, uh, fighting alongside you. Uh, I thought I'd, I always thought I'd be with you at the end. And she's like, the end? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you didn't hear. Uh, we're not renewed for an eighth season. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to be by your side. This is really nice. This is a really nice scene, I think. Um, I love it personally. And, you know, uh, as you know, Jenny and I watched these episodes a couple of times. We're really like listening to the dialogue and taking notes and clickety clacking over here and she says to Xander at the end of this, you know, that he will be by her side. Um, you're my strength, Xander. The reason I made it this far, I trust you with my life. And we get an echo of this and we can talk about it more when we get there. But we get an echo of the same sentiment when she's speaking with Spike later. And I just think that, like, this is why Buffy needed to step away. We, I'm not going to get into the fucking methods or what was right or wrong. But, like. I do think that we're seeing her internalizing the group mentality really clearly in this episode, really giving credit to the folks that lift her, um, that she lifts, the like collective lift of it all. And I think this episode does a really nice job of it because it's not very heavy handed, but she does have these moments with folks where she's saying, I see you. And two episodes ago, she was quite literally saying, like, I do not see you. <laughs> I actually yeah, don't yeah. see any of you. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So I, love, I like this. Um, I like everything about this except for fucking the idea that Dawn shouldn't be there. Everyone go fuck yourselves. Sorry. <laughs> Dawn belongs there. She has put in the time. <gasps> sure, she's put in the time, but also, you know, Buffy died once before to save Dawn's life, and yeah. what a waste that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if Don just died two years later. Yeah. No, and I, like, right, like, I guess I get it from, like, Buffy is Don's sister and loves her and doesn't want her to get hurt perspective, but yeah. it just feels like the right choice, which is the choice we wind up getting anyway in the end, is, like, yeah. Don is part of this crew, and it would not have been right for her not to be there. Upstairs in Scythe Research Central, <laughs> uh, Willow is on the internet. Uh, what have they determined? Okay, the vineyard, Shadow Valley Vineyard, was a monastery way back. What are the odds? Uh, Willow was on a website that appears to be called historyoftheaxe.com. 
As an act and of an course, e. as you would expect, as you would expect, there are just like a bunch of clickable links to famous axes with names. Sure. Sure. Uh, she's not getting anywhere on the website. They're like, mm, what about a pagan temple? She picks up the scythe and doesn't feel anything. Giles is like, well, what if you tapped into some magic? Would that help you feel something with the scythe? And Willow's like, you know, this is something that Caleb is afraid of, which makes me think <laughs> that, it's, that it could be very dangerous. And maybe it's not the kind of thing that I should be poking and touching, laying hands on while I mm-hmm. try to uh, get magical, uh, just in case I become evil. Yeah, she says, I can barely do a locator spell without getting dark roots. I love that line. <laughs> Um, I want everyone to know that historyoftheaxe.com does seem available for purchase both without and with an E. Both are available for you. I don't Ooh. I don't actually know the proper spelling of axe. Is it with the E? Is it without the E? Who knows? It's spelled with an E for the axe of Decaron, or at least I put it in my notes that way. <laughs> um Giles also says when she says it was a monastery that the scythe is pre-Christian and I clutched my pearls. Pre-Christian? Well, this is the Hellmouth. <laughs> what such thing is pre-Christian, sir? Um, but yeah, and this, so there's a, uh, a brief exchange between Giles and Willow that I like Giles's line in where, you know, she's afraid of doing this. And he says, what if it was necessary? And she says, I don't know. And then Giles says, we do what we can. It's all we can do. And I thought that was nice. You know, like, we're not going to force anybody to do anything. You can only do your best. And hopefully we will win. What more can any of us do or try to do? Truly, truly. Lo and behold, however... Willow scrolls a little bit farther down the page to yet another notable axe, which is called M and then a little swooper that looks kind of like a question mark. And Giles is like, oh, wait, that means glottal stop. Kind of like gulp. And then he's like, hang on. In hieroglyphs, (laughs) that means a sickle or a scythe. And you see it all over throughout the ancient world. And Willow's like, and perhaps on a pagan temple? (laughs) And they're like, oh, shit, off to the races. I'm so glad that glottal stop is uh, put that those words got into the series before it was over. Love to love the words glottal stop. I don't know why. Yeah. Just a really satisfying um, kind of like is it onomatopoeia when a word sounds like what it is. Yes. It's like kind of an onomatopoeia. It's like not, but it's like almost an onomatopoeia. Glottal. Glottal. <laughs> um, and also I think that, okay, and so this is where like my research has fallen short because there's only so much research I'm capable of. But I do think that there that this is um, maybe correct. I looked up hieroglyphs. I looked up hieroglyph for sickle. And it does seem like the M and something next to the M does mean sickle in hieroglyphs i don't know that and you can write in and correct me if i'm wrong but like the very cursory glances that i looked at to sort of like what did they just make this up does make it seem like they they didn't quite make it up i'm sure they also like me didn't do enough research but um it does seem (laughs) like there's something there is a little bit of a foundation here that they're um relying on um 
And this, is, of course, is also the scene where we get that the scythe is a symbol of death. Let's see what they did with their dead. Before we see what they do with their dead, however, we must first go uh, to Xander's car. <laughs> Xander and Don are having a look in the car. Uh, apparently, there's some kind of crossbow situation. Don maintains that she doesn't leave crossbows around all willy-nilly. Not since that time with Miss Kitty Fantastico. Now, at first listen, one might think, oh no, Miss Kitty Fantastico perished, impaled on a crossbow bolt. No, 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 no. I think, I don't know where everybody lands on this, but this sounds to me like Miss Kitty Fantastico stepped on a crossbow that was left around willy-nilly and perhaps shattered a mirror or impaled a wooden post. Uh, what do you think, Kristen? Yeah, I like that idea. Actually, I don't know when Miss Kitty Fantastico um, like left Sunnydale because she knew that the apocalypse was coming, but I agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think she's alive and well. I bet you, oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I bet you she's safe with Clem. And then I was like, no, no, wait, wait. No, that's not where we want her. <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep no, her no, away no. from Clem. <laughs> not with Clem. Um, but there was, a, there was a moment I remember where Dawn did put a... Um, crossbow arrow into the wall of the Summers home. I can't remember at this point what caused this, but there was that happened. And I believe it was in conversations with dead people when she was home alone. Great. Really Kevin McAllistering out. Yes, yes. And so I would like to posit, I'd like to build on your theory that after conversations with dead people when that hole was still in the wall, that she was like, I actually didn't. That was Miss Kitty Fantastico. She she stepped on the crossbow and I just died. You know, got to keep those kittens away from crossbows. Good. Um, It's good. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Dawn, I'd, I'd like to say I'm not sure that I believe that Xander could effectively chloroform Dawn Summers. She seems like just the kind of, like, wriggly, like, um... <laughs> like a little silverfish of a girl. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like she'd wriggle right the fuck out of those arms. Uh-huh. But he does it, and he gets her in the car, and off they go. Over at the vineyard, Caleb destroying a lot of perfectly good wine. You're so uh, mad. The first notes that Caleb's strength is waning and says it has been quite some time since we dot 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 merged. Okay, why? Why has it been quite some time since they merged? Why would the first allow for such time to elapse and for her her physical corporeal agent on Earth to be at anything other than maximum strength at all times? Your thoughts? I don't know. Maybe she just hasn't been in the mood. Wow. (laughs) But yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. I also want everyone to know that we're not putting these two in the sexual tension awards either because gross. No, certainly not. Um, If you're facing each other, raising your arms out to the side uh, as a reflection of one another, you don't go in the sexual tension awards. Also, if you say the sentence, once this is over, I'll be able to enter every man, woman, and child just as I enter you, you are immediately disqualified. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but Jenny, you are your, not favorite, welcome here. your favorite thing happens. I scream every time this guy shows up because I know how much you love him. 
my big horny demon your big horny demon there he is there he is oh my god i screamed i was like one more time for the road <laughs> I, I can't remember if we see the big horny demon in the next episode so as far as i'm concerned one more time for the road oh my god they merge I am thy humble servant, says Caleb, and then his eye, then he is dark Caleb, and I am ready to serve thee, Ma. <laughs> That's very good, Kristen. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, it's my time. God. Now, here's a contender. This is here a contender. Here is whew. a contender. That feeling when you're visiting your girlfriend while she's recovering from a recent bomb explosion uh and you've in the interim acquired an ancient mystical weapon uh that applies to both of you you let her hold it and she's like damn (laughs) and then then faith says it feels like it's mine and then she remembers that she's on the show buffy the vampire slayer and says I guess that means it's yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, Buffy says it belongs to the Slayer. And I'm like, what if they both hold it at the same time? It is a double-sided doodad, Jenny. It can Yeah, be... and notably a wield- wieldable one-handed. So if they each have one hand on it. <laughs> That counts as something, right? I mean, this is like this episode. There's a lot to be said about the the horniness and intimacy shared betwixt Fuffy, but this scene like really put me over the edge. I was like, she's handing her this thing, and they're like, it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. But I agree, it's double sided. It only requires one hand. There's a lot that can be done here for there to be slayers, like Jenny said. <laughs> Um, this is an important conversation, uh, not to wash it all away with sexiness. Um, the idea that it never mattered to Faith, she says, who was like in charge. Um, that part is not what bothered her. What bothered her is that she thought that she was always jealous of like the love basically that or like the community that Buffy had, like the things that Buffy had around her in her life. Um, And when she expresses this to Buffy, she says like, but then I was in charge and it was like the most alone I've ever felt. And that's how you feel all the time. Isn't it? Um, This is, this is fucking capital R romance. This is, bearing witness they are the only two people jenny they're the only two people who know what it feels like to be a slayer just like you and i are the only two people who knows what who knows (laughs) what it feels like to end this podcast because we're the uh, it's it's just yeah it's just just nice okay Uh, oh god um yeah uh this is this is the also the scene jenny where we're like, Buffy, you're getting so close to making the connection here. Faith is like, I blew it. And Buffy's like, battles of war, they mean death. You know, you didn't, you could have, it's not your fault. It's like, just, just, <laughs> so close. Just, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, this is also where uh, Buffy learns from Faith that Principal Wood did indeed, as the kids say, lay the pipe 
correctly. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm sorry. This is great news, Kristen. This is wonderful confirmation to receive. I cannot control what Jenny Owen Young says to you in your ears. Certainly not. So sorry. I'm my own entity. Buffy's like, in my bed? Like, like, is she upset <laughs> or is she like, hmm, interesting? <laughs> Wonder what all three of us could get up to with this double-sided doodad. Oh <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but in all seriousness, um, and not, by the way, not that sexiness and seriousness cannot go together. Uh, they do, and the scene is proof. Um, but Faith after faith says right um that's you every day isn't it like that's how you feel every day um we get this exchange between them about um how there maybe is only supposed to be one slayer want to hear it jenny i do there's only supposed to be one maybe that's why you and i can never get along we're not supposed to exist together also you and evelyn were killing people good point Also a factor. That you're right. I mean, I... I guess everyone's alone. But being a slayer... There's a burden we can't share. And no one else can feel it. Thank God we're hot chicks with superpowers. Takes the edge off. Comforting. Mm Mm-hmm. I, too, am comforted by hot chicks with superpowers. I as well, Jenny. I love this scene. And I think that even though we've already proven um, the timeline (laughs) in which these two ladies have had the sex. That there's something special between them. That there's something very special between them. And I think we can note this as the moment when they really, truly fall in love. I think this is it. Wow. I think it's it. It's They see each other clearly. And, they, and like we didn't talk about it, but earlier in the conversation, I love the direction in the scene and the writing because like Faith, and we saw her open up to Robin last episode and we saw where that ended. Um, so she's like, here's the laugh riot. My whole life I've been a loner. Buffy, is that the funny part? And Faith says... I'm trying to, and like she doesn't, she doesn't say what it is that she's trying to do, but she's like, Buffy, I know we have this pattern of like me not saying my feelings and like you, whatever, but like I'm actually trying to do something here. And it's it's really nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Faith feelings 2022. We're here for them. Yeah. Yes. We really are. We're all here for you, baby. Okay. Honey, you're home, Spike says to Buffy <laughs> as he walks in the door and sees that she's returned. Hooray. Uh, oh, my God, everyone. Get it together. Get it together. This, The old classic, uh, yeah, the t- last night. <laughs> I barely remember. I was so uh, drunk. <laughs> Who knows what we did, what we said. Nothing matters. Uh, I certainly don't care about it anyway. Oh my god. Um. Yes. Let's get let's get into this exchange, Jenny. One more point for the girls, though, before we go. The first fucking thing that Spike says to Buffy after she comes down the stairs from having Faith hold the scythe and say she feels something 
is Spike to Buffy, re the scythe. I can see why a girl would ditch a fella for one of these. But I'm bummed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. There are no mistakes. Yep. Okay, yep. now now let's go get shirty. All right. So Spike's like, yeah, just never mind about last night. Oh, glitch, cold comfort, cellar dweller. I love rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy's like, great. And Spike's like, fine. Oh, God. Yeah. Then, like, after the first break, she's like, I have work to do. I need to find out what the fuck this scythe is. I need to find out what the fuck I have it. Spike's like, I'll go with you. And then he, like, walks off to, like, go get ready. And, like, conversation over. Buffy's like, you're a dope and a bonehead and you're shirty. And the camera does amazing work here. We don't get we don't get these moves often. It goes like from one room to another. We like cross a wall to get into the uh-huh. kitchen. Very, very nice. Um, and this is where she's again giving credit where credit is due. This scythe might be the key to everything. The reason I'm fucking holding it is because of you. The strength you gave me last night. I'm tired of defense. Yes, Jenny. Jenny has her hand up. Take it, Jenny. I'm tired of defensiveness and weird mixed signals. I have faith for that. Uh Yes. Yes, you do. Correct. One for sexy, one for romance. Sexy's upstairs, sexy on floor two, romance on floor one. (laughs) Why not both? You know what I mean? Let's uh-huh. take these two interests. And we know that Spike and Faith are having, they can have a good ass time together too. <laughs> a great thruple, a beautiful thruple. Uh, yeah. Let's go to Romance Town here. I mean, I'm calling it Romance Town. You can call it whatever you want. Um, yeah. But this is where. Spike was terrified. It was the best <sighs> night of his life. It meant something to him. It meant something to her. But Spike has a hard time believing that. It was the best Aww. night of his life. He, he, he says, he, he just in case you wanted more detail on that, he says to Buffy. I've lived for sodding ever, Buffy. I've done everything done things with you I can't spell but I've never been close to anyone least of all you until last night all I did was hold you watch you sleep and it was the best night of my life So, yeah, I'm terrified. You don't have to be. Were you there with me? I was. What does that mean? I don't know. Does it have to mean something? No. Not right now. Maybe one. No, let's just leave it. Okay. We'll go be heroes. Well, 
Well, that's some feelings for you. Sure. Got me right in the fucking feelings gut. That one did. But to lighten the mood, I'll ask you, Jenny, what do you think Spike can't spell? (laughs) I don't. Everything I can think of doesn't feel appropriate for the pod. Uh, That's illegal. You have to share it with us. We'll bleep it out if it's that bad. Literally the only thing that I thought of was cunnilingus, which I feel like is very G-rated and also probably is not that. G-rated? G-spot rated. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was where the first place my head went. And then the next next place I got to was autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, asphyxiation. That's a good one. That's a good one. I I think that wins. Do you have anything else on the list? That one is much, makes much more sense than cunnilingus. End of list. Okay. Yeah. We'll oh, go do you th- think that Buffy sleeping with Spike counts in any way as necrophilia? Oh my God. Do you think that because you uh, uh, Spike can't practice a, a autoerotic asphyxiation because he doesn't have. Well, he can't be autoerotically asphyxiated. Right. But... She can. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand. Jenny is making a face at me like you do understand how sex works, right? <laughs> Well, I'm just making sure you can't be too careful in this modern era. <laughs> sure, sure. But I just, I was just like, oh, wow, Spike can never have that sensation. Like, that's the thing that he cannot have the sensation of as a vampire. So kids, before you, you know, agree Ooh, to becoming a vampire. Wait, yeah. The principle behind autoerotic asphyxiation is that it, like, heightens things. So what if because Spike has no breath, everything he's is all, heightened? He's always there? He's Yeah, he's just always maxed out. Wow. You see, this is why you have to force Jenny to say the things that she doesn't want to say. Like, we have this, this is a whole chapter that we have yet to explore. Um, okay. Uh, you can think about that on your own time. Uh, or let us know what you think Spike couldn't spell. Uh, but uh, that seems like a fucking, that seems like the one. Okay. So they're going to not talk about what comes next. They're just going to go be heroes. Oh, this show always making us be heroes instead of getting the love and affection we deserve. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my god, to the hospital. Delightful scene. Oh. My god, they come upon some oxygen tanks. And Anya's like, these would be great if there was like a really big monster and then we could like shove it down the, its throat and blow it up like they did in Jaws. And Andrew says, you are the perfect woman. And Anya replies, I've often thought so. And I, Jenny Owen Youngs, secondarily reply, I have also often thought so. I concur. Wanna rob? She ends her sentence. Andrew, let's rob. <laughs> oh my God. Like during their search, Andrew's like, oh, a box of ointments. I had this rash. And he's like, show me. He's like, well, it's not there anymore, but it was like kind of scabby. And she says, show me the box of ointments, you little freak. <laughs> I love it. I love them. I love them. Then a moment of a serious turn. Andrew says, it's going to be bad, isn't it? And Anya's like, yeah. And then he asks her why she's staying. Why doesn't she just go? And she tells him about, you know, the last apocalypse. She just GTFO'd. Um, I remember but that. now things are different. I remember that apocalypse. Um, and I remember having a long conversation about, like, can Anya drive? Where did she learn how to drive? How does she drive? Did she a- receive a stipend from does the she get, Yeah, a lot came up in that conversation for us. 
Um, but yeah, she says now she's been around people a lot more and she's seen what they're capable of. She's seen how amazingly screwed up they are. And yet here's the thing. And it's something that really matters. They fight. I mean, they're lame morons for fighting, but they do. They never... They never quit. So I guess I will keep fighting, too. That was kind of beautiful. You... You love humans. I do not. Yes, you do. You love them. Stop it! I don't love them, and I'll kill you if you tell anybody. <sighs> this is nice. Do you have something in your <laughs> eye, Jenny? <gasps> I'm fine. Mm -hmm. This is nice. Uh, then they have a little chat about their survival probability. Yeah. Andrew's like, I'm probably going to die. Uh, but he thinks Anya might survive because she's a thousand and she knows how to handle a weapon. And Andrew seems like he's kind of really at peace with the idea of uh, dying trying to do what's right, which is a really nice step for mm -hmm. Andrew. Yeah, I agree. And and the two of them being able to have this conversation feels so important for the show because it's like we want to see I'm, – I'm sort of having a, a thought of um, Morgan and LaToya talking about some of what's happening on, on the end of their series, Angel. Um, and Morgan had this, like, wish that there was some more given to the normies, as she refers to them. Uh, you know, like like that everyone doesn't everyone can't be a hero is something that I that I know Morgan has just said. And and it was in my mind watching this episode and taking notes on it because I was like, this is this is given to us here in these last final few episodes. It isn't we see Buffy and Spike, they leave to go be heroes, but we're also seeing like Anya, who's like kind of on the line in terms of where she falls, and then Andrew, who's clearly on the side of like a very fallible human. Um, and I just think it's really nice that we get their conversation and their thoughts on how this is impacting them and what they feel their place is in it. Um, it just feels really well-rounded um, in a way that I love. Yeah. And then they have a wheelchair. You know there. what I love? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that as they do a hard cut to their wheelchair fight, uh, which is kind of like a, appears to be a sort of human demolition derby <laughs> yeah. situation where they just like bang into each other a bunch. Andrew is doing what surely must be a Xena warrior princess battle cry. Yes. Uh, Andrew... Now, canonically, a Xeno Warrior Princess fan, which makes sense to me, and I love. So much sense. I mean, literally, it's probably his favorite show. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so, all right. We go to the cemetery? The same one? It can't be. Because has this temple just been here? It can't be. We know every... Well, there's a bunch of cemeteries yeah, so in this, town. This is another one. <laughs> what are the odds that this would have ended up here of all places well it's Isn't like that wild but it's like what came first right because 
Mm-hmm. The, the, it's like the temple, the, this pyramid situation, the guardians, they came here because... Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I read some wiki, I watched the show, and I'm still not sure I like really have it completely correct. So I'm just going to be vulnerable with you because that's the way to podcast and say that, is it that Sinea was here also? Sinea came here with the weapon? Did that happen? Who came here with the weapon? I think the Guardians came here with the weapon. But she says that the last, what are, where is it? The last. Oh, right. The last forged, full demon. Right. The, the, the line is that they forged the weapon halfway across the world, but it was put to use here to kill the last pure demon who walked upon the earth. Then there were men, then there were monks, then a town, then you. We're skipping ahead, clearly. But, but I just, yeah. so, because is that how the, the thing got here? I just feel like I want it to be a little more clear, but I'm not always, you know, the sharpest tack in the box. So I, I'm sorry if I am messing it up. It just sounds like somebody that, and it seems like we're talking about Sinea here in a lot of this history, at least, killed the last pure demon here. And then all this stuff was built up around it. The Hellmouth first. The the Hellmouth before the Sunnydale. <laughs> right. Right? Uh yeah, I'm listen, Kristen, you're a very sharp tack. Uh, as I always say. <laughs> uh I have to t- tell you I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> right. What we're looking at here. When I read and I don't know if, oh, I don't yeah. know if the show is a hundred percent sure. Yeah, the, the the most clarity I got, honestly, was reading about The Last Guardian, who is this woman that we are just meeting now here inside of this little pyramid temple. And that's where it sort of like laid out some stuff more clearly than I was able to get from a very detailed double watch of this episode. <laughs> Um, that I I think perhaps that is the idea, but let's let's talk about it. Okay, first of all, The Last Guardian love her she's played by an actress whose name is christine healy she's been on like every fucking tv show in the world and uh she's basically galadriel which is kate blanchett in the lord of the rings right i knew the name but it took me a minute um yes she um also jenny in addition to being in all the tv shows i thought that perhaps some of the way that she came into this show is that in the 70s, she was uh, in a lot of the um, Shakespeare, Fest- the Oregon Shakespeare Festival plays. And we know how Mr. Uh-huh. Whedon feels about Shakespeare. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, we talked about the actress who plays Spike's mom. Like, I think there's a lot of gravitation towards theater actors for some of these like really beautiful, big meaty roles that may only occur in like an episode or two um so i don't know but um felt like it i i felt the theater in her um when she like entered and started speaking um and so i was like yes i was correct as i found her shakespeare roots (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) i'd forgotten So yeah, now now we're here. She says, I'd forgotten how young you would be. It comes from the waiting. The mind plays tricks. I see you found our weapon. And Kristen and I have to wonder, 
Has this woman just been in here for hundreds of years? What does she eat? Where does she go to the bathroom? What does she do for entertainment? Is she okay? Yeah, do you think she gets together with like the powers that be just to like play cards sometimes? You know what I mean? What do these people yeah, do? Yeah, they have like a poker night. There's a lot of space in between like when you're a really big power, it seems like you have like a lot to do for like two days and then you have like millennia <laughs> to like wait for the next time you have something big to do for a couple of days. So I would just love to know what these powers, guardians, et cetera, are getting up to on their off time. Uh, <laughs> uh, she says, I look good for my age um, and then says, I put the scythe in the rock. It was forged in secrecy for one like you who, by the way, what's your name? (laughs) This is another moment that works for me in terms of calling the show back to its roots. We know that Buffy was a name specifically chosen to underline the fact that the like blonde girl is a damsel in distress and her name is Buffy and you don't expect her to be the chosen one, the slayer, the one that's actually going to kill the demon, but she is. She says Buffy and the guardian says, no, really. <laughs> rude. It, it's it's rude and it's funny and it's good. Sarah Michelle Geller giving us a great reaction. No words at all. Just kind of looking at her like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's my name. It's actually the name of this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the Guardian goes on to tell her that the Shadow Man, mm-hmm. with whom she has become familiar, uh, became the Watchers. The Watchers watched the Slayers, but the Guardians watched the Watchers. Yeah, so I love a lot of this math, except for the, like, record scratch of the concept of the shadow men being, like, the watchers being the descendants of the shadow men. Um, I won't go too deeply into this because we talked a lot about the shadow men and what have you, but this feels like a moment in the show where patriarchy is, like, siphoned, like, the patriarchy is, like, over here, siphoned off. We can play the jingle, actually. Siphoned off patriarchy jingle, please. And then, like, the other elements of, like, colonialism and white supremacy are just, like, kind of, like, put all on the shelf over here because the three black men and, like, the patriarchal shit that was happening with them and Senea is not, would not begat the Watchers Council breed of that thing, right? Like that's Now that the- Kristen's watching House of the Dragon, she's all begat this, <laughs> begat that, begat, begat, begat. Begat, 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 said in the exact intonation as uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, a muck, a muck, a muck. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just want to like, I'm sure that a lot of you listeners are like there with that, but this is not the math of it, okay? This is not... This is not what would happen. And I'm there for, like, men watching over women. But there's a lot of other layers here that um, are not accounted for in this math. Um, I do love the idea that if the math were this simple, that there have been these women who all along have been watching uh, over the situation ready for the moment when they're most needed to be like, hey, actually, fuck all of you. We have this fucking scythe, or is it an axe? We don't know, and we wish we had picked something more clear that was easily <laughs> described. <laughs> uh, I love, uh, yeah, I just love the Guardian so much, um, and I particularly love when she gets to 
and then there were men here, and then there was a town, and now there was you. Yes. And then she says, we're the last surprise. And then, oh my god, Buffy says, does this mean I can win? And the Guardian says, fucking love it, that is really up to you. This is a powerful weapon, but you already have weapons. Uh, and then she says a few more things about the end being near, and unfortunately her end is actually right frigging here because Caleb reaches his creepy little hands through the curtain, where's this man been this whole time, and snaps her neck, rude, Rude. steps forward and says, now, I, I couldn't hear on account of her neck snapping, did she say the end is near or here? And Nathan Fillion is once again giving very good evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a great job, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, his effect, his efficacy at evil really is like skyrocketing in these last few episodes, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Guardian knew that he was there. I think she had delivered her message and was ready to take a long winter's nap. I, do, I don't think that Caleb surprised this woman right. who's been down there for millennia. Um, you know, I, I think that this was this was the end for her. And she was like, I've, I've told Buffy what I had to tell Buffy. I've communicated to her that we existed and we made this. And fucking finally a bitch can sleep, you know? <laughs> um but yeah yeah, and to just say what you said jenny that line and then what is it and then there what's the last bit of it it's so nice and then there were men here and then there was a town and now there was you now there was you yeah it's just like so beautiful the way that it's spoken Uh uh-oh okay over (laughs) over at the uh Donder Zon. Dander? Dander? (laughs) Road trip. Dander. Uh, Dawn wakes up and uh, she's like, wow, I have been chloroformed. How cool. Xander's like, here's a letter from Buffy (laughs) explaining what's going on. And Buffy's letter's like, oh my gosh, you're my sister. I love you so much. I would do anything to protect you. And as Dawn reads the line, I promise to show you this beautiful world and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. (laughs) Before she's even done reading the line, Dawn is tasing the shit out of Xander's neck. (laughs) She, you know, guides the car to a stop as like Xander's now unconscious. And then we see the whole thing is external from the car. We see the car do a Yui and then start to drive again. Is Dawn like sitting on the lap of an unconscious Xander? <laughs> yeah, good call. She's strong. Just curious. She's wily, that one. She probably rolled his ass right on over to the back seat. You okay. know what I mean? She put the seat down and just rolled him over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> also, does Dawn know how to drive? Probably not. But who who needs to know She'll how to drive? She'll figure it out. She'll, yeah, she's got it. Um, I fucking love this choice. It is the correct choice. It is <laughs> amazing to me. A uh, An avid Dawn fan. Hell yes. Yep, number one Dawn stan. Number one. Uh, number one Dawn fan, Kristen Rizzo, is fucking here for their shit. This bitch just had a taser in her back pocket, just in case. Of course she did. <laughs> I love her. All right. 
right. To the temple. Caleb and Buffy are just going at it. They're doing some fighting. They're both getting some good hits in on the other. Yeah, this uh, is a then good... Then he gets the upper hand. This is a good... I just want to say, this is a pretty good... But they're really spending some money on this fight scene. Yeah. Some of my... One of my favorite moments in this fight scene is in the very beginning, Caleb punches the column and it sort of like shatters. And then before he punches Buffy, he blows the fucking column dust off of his fist and I was like now that is a it's nice cool. yeah it's really cool um, there's an amazing shot of Buffy being like thrown up against the wall there's some really horrible face kicks like way more gruesome than we normally get uh, it's it's pretty gnarly and, and like great in that it is uh, you know something that feels set apart from just any old fight yep 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 it's good then Caleb gets the upper hand, and he's got the little axe, and he's whirling it around, and he says, I was kind of hoping it'd go this way, but before he can axe our intrepid slayer, some man from just out of frame says, hey, <laughs> and it's Angel, and they're like, Angel, baby, we got the best camera work for you. We are ready to make you look extremely heroic, little... Slow-mo, little hero push, uh-huh. uh, little swell of the orchestra. Uh-huh. This is uh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Go on. I just... Okay. So, like, f- I- I'm trying to put myself... Uh, on the one hand, I'm trying to put myself in the year 2003, right? This has to happen. It feels like this has to happen. Angel has to come back. He's Angel. I mean, he has yeah. to be there. He, he has to yep. return. Um, so I, like, am here for the return. I, I, they, I think the writing is trying to do a really big lift and saying, but I'm not here to, like, save you because you're like the strong woman that's like the point of this show so like i'm not gonna you know whatever so like fine but i am not here for the rest of it i dislike it i am sorry but i think that and this is not just a spuffy situation okay this is a cangel also a cangel situation is that cordial 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 Court Angel. Court Angel. Angelia. 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 <laughs> I just feel like these two have... Okay, so well, let's talk about what happens, and then I'll, then I'll tell you my feelings. Okay. Uh, Angel says, I was never one for preachers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he is, like, gonna keep helping, but then he's like, oh, this is one of those things you have to finish yourself. And Buffy's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so Angel just... Folds his arms and leans against a column, and he's like, "You are so gonna lose to Caleb." <laughs> um, I love, I love as much as I, as much as I do not like the look of the scythe. I really, really like the the singing scythe aspect of it. That yeah. it like sort of hums when it sails through the air. Yeah, uh, love that. Uh, they briefly fight. And then Buffy catches him in the gut with the blade of the axe, perhaps the third way to kill strong bodies. <laughs> um, and Caleb 
laughs in perhaps disbelief. Yeah. Shock. Yeah. Then he falls and is dead. Yeah. Buffy immediately drops the scythe and smooches Angel. And this just doesn't feel to me where they're at, right? At all. Like, at at all. That's the part that is frustrating to me, is that I... Meanwhile, Morgan Ludich is like, (laughs) Morgan is actually also in the temple playing a little, like, children's record player of the angel theme, just, like, hoping it will inspire them to kiss each other. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Yeah. Let's think. When was the last time Buffy and Angel saw each other? Joyce's funeral? No. It was it was in L.A. when Buffy was being a bitch. <laughs> uh, which time was that? Right, because okay, so no, it it had to be Joyce's funeral because the the body comes after uh, I will remember you. Right? No, not I will remember you. The but bo- does she show up in L.A. one more time? She does. She shows up in L.A. after the body swap, but the body swap is also before the body. The body is true is the sequentially last there. So we are to believe that the last time these two saw each other, I'm so Aww. terrified that this is wrong, is at <laughs> is at um, Joyce's funeral when Angel just, like, kind of holds her by the tree. But, like, Aww. guys, without, like, whatever, but, like, a lot of emotional shit has also happened for Angel on Angel's end. Like, this is not just about Buffy's growth. It's about both of them. And, like, I, I think that it does a huge disservice to the stories that... Um, Angel and Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, as independent series, have told about their folks because they're not they're not going to kiss. And it's that's not to say that like maybe they will get to get maybe they will get together again someday. But they're they're not there right now. This Angel came here to be a part of this fight with her if she needed him. She just had this incredibly beautiful exchange with Spike. This just feels like a ratings grab to me, uh, like, and I, I just yeah. don't like it. This to me is just like they, hu- they hug, they would embrace, they would, yeah, hold each other and yes. be so happy to see each other and whatever. But like to go right for the smooch, just like is just to me smacks of we really want the episode to end with Spike seeing them kiss. Yeah, Buffy the first being correct uh, in this moment when he, when the Buffy the first says that bitch, I'm like correct that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she just said all that nice shit to you. Um, but you know, I, like, and I, you know, you can carve out a little space for it, I guess. Like, she just defeated Caleb. It's like a caught up in the moment. Angel's there. She hasn't seen him in forever. Who knows? But it it just. I think it could have been, and it sounds like you feel the same, Jenny, a lot more powerful for Angel to show up and for them to have this, they have this beautiful banter that's like, you know, just been been built over the course of uh, seven seasons. I mean, I guess really four, three and a half, four seasons, but, you know, you look good. You look timely and also good. Um, Him, God, I miss watching this. You know what I mean? Like, it's good angel shit. That's really good angel, fun angel stuff. Angel is so different as a character than Spike, Um, and it's it's really fun to have him back um, for this moment, and I hate that they kiss. Absolutely hate it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel quite right. No. Um, do you think Unless that you're Morgan? Do you think that after Angel says, God, I miss watching this, and the camera goes back to the fight, that he pulls out a tiny little pad of paper and some charcoal and just makes <laughs> and starts sketching. Makes a little sketch. 
Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's some it's not, listen, I don't know what it's like to have to end a fucking series as epic as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I would have fought real hard to make this something as beautiful as uh, if we're correct the last time they were together where it wasn't about kissing and also like it's not about kissing with spike now either you know like it's it's really not where we're at guys like the world is fucking ending everybody is kind of an adult at this point um and surprisingly angel being a vampire who doesn't age does look a little bit older than the last time we saw him in uh <laughs> you're not wrong but I guess I wonder where we'll go next guess we'll find out soon enough Kristen will Spike turn on Buffy will Angel and Buffy get back together will the world end Uh, (laughs) all this and more on the next episode will Anya and Andrew do a little smooch Oh, my goodness. Does that mean it's time? Smooching all around? Indeed. Smooching all around. uh, The alternate name for the next segment, the Sexual Tension Awards. Sexual Tension Awards. Well, welcome back to, dare I say it, Kristen, the penultimate edition of the Sexual Tension Awards. Oh, my God. Putting the pen in ultimate over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got some ultimate pens in the uh, <laughs> in the running that, um, you know, will currently live, I guess, in the slots where we store our noms and may eventually ascend to accept the trophy for this episode. Uh, in slot number one, you know those, um, like, Instagram accounts that are, like, unlikely animal friends? And it's like, look at this raccoon and this German shepherd. Yes. They cuddle and they eat <laughs> yeah, carrots together yeah. or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes love is like that. Sometimes love or uh, passion can arise in the most unlikely of places. Even perhaps, as we see in this episode, maybe between Anya and Andrew. Wow. I mean, they really worked hard for it. Also, Jenny, did you say passion? <laughs> I did. <laughs> In slot number two, who knows how they'll fare next week after the uh, events of the end of this episode. But for now, perhaps riding high, at least emotionally, it's Buffy and Spike. Or Spuffy, if you prefer. Good job, guys. In slot number three, we don't often get to... uh, Nominate this pairing. It's the only reason they're fucking here. (laughs) Rare sighting of uh, these two noms in this, squeezing into this one slot together. Uh, Smooching, even though it perhaps is unwarranted. Uh, Reunited after a long time apart. Who knows what they'll get up to? It's Buffy and Angel. Angel. Bange one out for Bangel. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, now say uh, who's going to win. Now say the winner. And now it's slot number four. The only combination worth voting for. Uh-huh. Our beloveds. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, these two gals have been through a lot together and their relationship has been like a real roller coaster. But today they may have achieved reaching new emotional depths together. It's true. Bless their sweet little hearts. It's Buffy and Faith. They better fucking win, you guys. If you would like to make your voice heard in our democracy, please, 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 please uh, scoot on over to our Twitter at BufferingCast and cast your vote <laughs> in this episode's Sexual Attention Awards. We'll have a Twitter poll up for one week from the day that this episode goes live. Fuck yeah. Well, Jenny, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, Kristen. It's the the end of the next to last episode of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) It's like, so Jenny and I tape most of the episodes, you know, together like this on Zoom in our little houses and our little rooms. And what was your what happened? This is the last one. This is the last one for us. I know. It's like, it, I kind of have been, like, when I, when I think about it, I feel normal now because we just spent, you know, an hour and a half talking about Buffy, which is, like, a very familiar experience. It's very comforting. Mm. It's like a, like a blanket. Um, but when I've been thinking about it feeling incredibly, like, sad and anxious and weird for the last two days, I'm like, it's kind of like this is the last one for you and me. And then the finale in New York is, like, the last one for us with the Scoobs, you know? It's like, and those, like, yeah. f- those feel like the two the two heartbeats for lack of a better way to describe it of our experience is like we have all the things that we've gone through together as a duo and then we have all the things that we've gone uh together with you all as a duo um and they definitely overlap and intersect but it's very emotional to know that although I'm sure we will sit in our rooms and talk about something into microphones again that this is the last time we'll do it like this. I don't care for this <laughs> whatsoever, actually. Um, I had another. Uh, th- and then yeah. there was a show. And then there was a pod. And then there was a squad. And now there was us. Oh, Jenny. No. I know. Maybe somebody will help us howl out today since it feels like a lot to do on our own. Are we doing it? I think we should do it. Okay. Well, before we do that, let us tell you about ourselves. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, dear friends and, um, you know, beloved enemies. Just everybody today. I'd like today. to include everyone. We want to hug everyone today, even if yeah. you hate us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I'm usually making music. My latest EP is called It's Dangerous to Go Alone. It's a s- collection of songs inspired by video games. You can find the EP on Bandcamp or your favorite digital music platform. You can give me a shout on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or wherever at Jenny Owen Youngs. And you can join me for live streams on my Twitch channel uh, more more weeks than not. Is that everything? 
Yeah, which, which was that okay? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just a lot of things. I always buckle in, you know, because Jenny never stops, like ever. She just keeps on going. She's got, always got things that she's doing. Cooking. Um, yeah, my name is Kristen Russo. Um, and if you want to find out more about the work that I do outside of this here podcast, uh, you can use the very easy spelling of my first and middle name put together. That's Kristen Nolene. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Um, KristenNoline.com is my website, and that's also my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. And you can learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ plus communities. Um, I have been doing work with and for LGBTQ plus communities for over a decade now. That's terrifying. Uh, and most recently have been doing a lot with workplaces, um, employee resource groups, et cetera, talking to workplaces about how to make environments that are safe and good for LGBTQ people. And also uh, talking to workplaces about how their employees can be wonderful parents to their kids, whether or not they are LGBTQ or not, um, but how to create welcoming environments in the home. So you can learn all about that. Bring me to your workplace. I would love to be there virtually or in person. Um, and I don't know, Jenny, what about us? What about the duo that is us? Wow. Buffering the Vampire Slayer, you've heard of us, is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you could email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support our work over on Patreon. Uh, we would love to see you over there. Uh, while the podcast episodically is definitely taking its last couple of steps here, uh, Patreon ain't going nowhere. So you can come and join us there. We're going to have a lot of fun things happening in that space. And we're very excited to tell you about that as the weeks go on. Um, and, you know, you could also just leave us a review or be really good to each other keep being really good to each other oh yeah that, that one that one makes us the happiest of all in fact um all right i guess you should say who helped make this episode and then we can howl out and then we can lay down and cry this episode was produced by Kristen russo jenny owen youngs and albert daza with support from our consultant mackenzie mcdade it was edited by john mark nelson and this episode features a special guest in the howling department. So please welcome to the Howl Out Choir, Frank Youngs. Frank! As I say, till next time. Wow.
Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.